who was going to read, and not Sheikh Sulaiman. So that everyone feels part of the, the group. Now, Sheikh Hassan, please read the hadith. Hadith number eight. عن أبي عمر رضي الله عنه قال ابن عمر رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال أمرت أن أقاتل الناس أقاتل الناس حتى يشهدوا أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمدا رسول الله ويقيم الصلاة ويؤتوا الزكاة فإذا فعلوا ذلك أصاموا من أصاموا مني دماءهم وأموالهم إلا بحق الإسلام إلا بحق الإسلام وحسابهم على الله تعالى رواه البخاري ومسلم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد This is hadith number 8 in the Arba'een al-Nawawiyya The hadith is reported by Ibn Umar His name is Abdullah Ibn Umar رضي الله عنه He says the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Umirtu an uqatil nas I've been commanded to fight the people. Hatta yashhadu an la ilaha illallah. Until they acknowledge that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wa anna Muhammad al-Rasulullah. And they should also accept that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a messenger of Allah. وَيُقِيمُ الصَّلَاةَ And they should establish salah. وَيُؤْتُ الزَّكَاةَ And they should give the compulsory charity, which is zakat. فَإِذَا فَعَلُوا ذَلِكَ If they do that, عَصَمُوا مِنِّي دِمَاءَهُمْ وَأَمْوَالَهُمْ then they are guaranteed security for their money and their blood. Meaning their blood is safe and their money is safe. Illa bihaqil Islam. Except by the rights of the religion of Islam, which I'm going to explain later. Wahisabuhum alallahi ta'ala. And their account is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. أُمِرْتُ أَنْ أُقَاتِلَ النَّاسِ When the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, أُمِرْتُ, I've been commanded, there's only one 
being that can command the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So umirtu an uqatil nas I've been commanded to fight the people, meaning the command is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And by saying I've been commanded to fight all the people, rather to fight people, it does not mean all the people. I've been commanded to fight people. People in this hadith means the mushrikun, the polytheists. And I have to emphasize that the mushrikun do not include the Jews and the Christians because they have different rules of their own. The hadith generally says, umirtu an uqatil nas I've been commanded to fight people, but it's not all the people. It is the mushrikun, with the exception of the Jews and the Christians, who have their own special uh, command, and I'm going to explain that, insha'Allah ta'ala. The fight between al-haqq, which is the truth, Wal-Batil and falsehood is not a fight that started today. The fight between the truth and falsehood has always existed. The truth always fights falsehood. There is always a conflict between the people that worship Allah, the people that follow the truth, and the people that worship the Taghut, Taghut means shaitan, the people who worship the devil. Worshipping the devil means to try and follow the desires of the devil and the things which the devil commands people to do. Allah Ta'ala has said in the Quran, We have sent to every generation a messenger. Allah to tell the people to worship Allah and stay away from the taghut, and that is the devil. So this fight has always been there. In the time of the Banu Israel, the children of Israel, the only fight was between those that worshipped Allah and those that did not worship Allah. Yesterday in our lesson of Tafsir, we spoke about the fight between Dawood and Jalut Goliath. This was a fight between the truth and falsehood. Al-Haqq wal-Batil. And there are many stories, even in the books of the people of the book, the books of the Christians, that depict that there has always been a fight between the truth and falsehood. When you look at the kind of world that we live in today, we are told that there is supposed to be no differences or there is supposed to be no fights between the different religious groups, meaning we are supposed to all live together in one world and share the same world and learn to love one another regardless of what religions we belong to. Those who worship Allah or those who worship God alone must embrace wholeheartedly those who worship the devil and life should continue like that. There should be no fight between the religions. So any person who fights in the name of religion must be 
fought. I, I want you to listen very carefully how ridiculous this is. People should not fight in the name of religion. If a person fights in the name of religion and kills in the name of religion, then that person must be killed. Killed in the name of what? Killed in the name of human rights and equality. So it's not okay to kill in the name of religion, but it's okay to kill in the name of human rights and equality. Does that make sense? If a person kills in the name of religion, then that person must be killed in the name of human rights and equality. It's not right to kill in the name of religion, but it's okay to kill in the name of human rights and equality. If a person is a terrorist, so-called, and fights people in the name of religion, then that group of terrorists must be fought and killed in the name of human rights and equality. Maybe it makes sense to you. To me, it doesn't make sense. The killing is the same. The only difference is that this group is killing in the name of religion and the other group is killing in the name of human rights. I'll give you another example. There is no country in the world that does not have an army. Every country in the world has an army. What is the army for? The army is to fight for the country. The soldiers must fight for the country. The soldiers must sacrifice their lives for the country. And it's a real war. And the killing is real killing. They have to be armed. Our country has an army, doesn't it? Do they have guns? Our army, does our army have guns? The guns, are they real guns or toy guns? Real guns that kill, right? And if required, are our soldiers allowed to kill in order to protect the country and to defend the country? Are they allowed to do that? They are allowed to do that. And they are allowed to create an army. And they are allowed to, to purchase weapons in the name of country. All right? What is a country? A country is just a group of people that happened to find themselves in the same geographical location. We happened to be in the same area, so we all came together and decided we are a country. We don't even share the same principles. We don't even share the same beliefs. You have your principles, I have mine. You have your beliefs, I have mine. But what unites us is we are of the same country and when it comes to defending our country, we are ready to die for our motherland. We belong to the same country, therefore we should fight for our country. We should be ready to die for our motherland. Now, is that allowed? It's allowed, isn't it? Does the UN allow that? Countries to be armed and defend themselves and fight for themselves and so on, it is allowed, right? But if we find ourselves united by ties that are stronger than country, ties that are much stronger than country, our ties are religious ties, 
something we believe in 100% and something that we are willing to die for. It's not just a geographical location. It's something we believe in. It's our life. We believe our life depends on it. Our life in the world and our life in the hereafter. Are we allowed to also come together and have an army to defend this important thing that we share among us? Are we allowed? But we are not allowed. So you start thinking, where is the logic? So soldiers are allowed to kill to defend a country. And people are not allowed to fight to defend a religion. Does that make sense? We're allowed to come together and make an army and buy arms and everything. We are allowed so long as we are defending a country. But we are not allowed to come together and defend ourselves to defend a religion. We, we're not allowed to do that. So killing, you are allowed to kill depending on what you are killing for. If you're killing for country, go ahead, no problem. But if you're killing for religion, then you must be killed in the name of human rights. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, Umirt, I've been commanded. And uqatil nas For me, I don't fight for anything else. For me, it's not about country. It's about religion. It's about Allah. It's about the purpose of our existence. I did not create the men and the jinns for any other reason, but that they worship me. This is what we live for. This is our religion. And we are commanded to fight those that oppose or those that do not want religion. Umirt the mushrikun and uqatil nas that I should fight them. Hatta yashhadu Allah ilaha illallah. Until they acknowledge that no one deserves to be worshipped except Allah. Wa anna Muhammad al-Rasulullah. And that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is a messenger of Allah. But at the same time I have to emphasize that this fight is not a fight that's carried out by individuals or groups of people. This is a fight just like a country. This is a fight that can only be sanctioned by an imam. And by imam, I mean a leader, a president. You can't say, and this is the biggest misunderstanding for the non-Muslims. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Fight those who do not believe in Allah. They think every Muslim has been given a command to fight anyone he meets on the road who doesn't believe in Allah. Therefore, fight the polytheists. They think every Muslim is allowed to meet a polytheist on the road and start beating him up. Why? Because you're a mushrik. No, you're not allowed to do that. Only the Amir, the Imam, the leader, can wage war on a group of people. In the same way that David, or um, uh, what was the name of their prophet again? Shamun. In the same way that Shamun and Talut waged war on the people who fought the Israelites by the command of the leader, the Muslims have to be commanded by, by their leader, and it has to be 
to be done in, in a proper manner. It's not something that everyone does. It's not a group of, of terrorists going to, to blow themselves up and killing people and calling it jihad. Jihad is, is not conducted like that. For example, if um, a group of people left this country, if they left Zambia, just about 10 or 15 of them, and went into, into Congo and started killing people in the neighboring Congo, and, and then said, we are doing it for Mother Zambia. You, you think anyone would support them? 15 or 20 people say, we're killing the Congolese. Say, What's the problem? Say, we're doing it for Mother Zambia. And we expect President Edgar Lungu to support us because this is for our country. That doesn't make sense. Who asked you? Who, who told you to go and fight in the first place? Who gave you permission? Who gave you the right? If the president wants to fight Congo, he's going to organize an army, right? An official army and wage an official war and he's going to warn them. He's going to warn them, withdraw from our borders or we are going to fight you. And the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to do the same thing. He wrote letters sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ila afwan min Muhammad Rasulillah. From Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the messenger of Allah. That's the letter. Ila Qaisar. To Caesar. Azim Rum. The king of Rome. The emperor of Rome. Aslim Taslam. Become a Muslim and you will be okay. That's a warning, isn't it? Become a Muslim. And Caesar, Caesar is not something small. Caesar is something big. The Roman Empire was the biggest empire in the world at that, at that time. And Rasulullah sends them a letter. Become Muslims or you will be in trouble. Say, Who's this? Say, no, one of those uh, Arabs. Threatening us. Say, yes. And he would warn them, sallallahu alayhi wa And one time the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, says, Inna allaha zawa li al Allah spread out the earth for me. Meaning Allah showed me the earth. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told me that this religion of Islam is going to cover all the corners of the earth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has shown me. At that time, Muslims were just a small band of, of people. But the Messenger وسلم, said, this religion is going to cover every corner of the world. And I've been given the two treasures, the Roman Empire and the Persian Empire. Those were the biggest empires in the, in the world. And indeed, they fell at the, at the hands of the Muslims. If you're asked today, how did the Roman Empire come to an end? It fell at the hands of the Muslims. How did the Persian Empire come to an end? It fell at the hands of the Muslims. So, Ubirtu and Uqatil and Nas have been commanded to fight the Mushrikun, the polytheists, Hatta Yashhadu until they uh, bear witness Allah ilaha illallah that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah 
that Muhammad is a messenger of Allah. For the Christians, the Christians are given a different option. If Muslims enter a land which is a Christian land, they don't fight the Christian, but they give them the option of paying jizya and remain under the protection of the Muslims. Jizya is like tax. They will pay tax and be protected by the Islamic government. And no one should harm them. But if they refuse to pay the jizya, then their rule is the rule of the polytheists, the mushrikun. Yashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa anna Muhammad rasulullah. Then he says, wa salata. And that they should pray salah. So he's been commanded to fight people until firstly they declare the shahada. But that's not all. They should pray and give zakat. You know, after the death of Rasulullah and Abu Bakr Siddiq عنه, became the Khalifa or leader of the Muslims, some tribes started refusing to pay the zakat. They said, we are Muslims, but the zakat uh, we used to pay to Muhammad and since Muhammad وسلم, is dead, we're not going to pay zakat. And Abu Bakr Siddiq عنه, said, I will fight anyone who refuses to pay the zakat. Any person who makes a division between salah and zakat, and Allah mentioned them together in the Quran, if anyone is going to differentiate between salah and zakat, then he's not a Muslim, and I will fight him. Until he pays the zakat. Umar radiallahu anhu said to him, Are you going to fight people who are Muslims? These people are Muslims. Why are you going to fight them? He said, Wallahi law mana'uni iqalan kanu yu addunaha ila rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam laqataltuhum alayhi. If they refused me, even a rope that they used to give to the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, I would fight them for that. Because salah is the haqq of Islam. Zakat is also a haqq of Islam. And that is what the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, illa bihaqqil islam wa hisabuhum ala Allah ta'ala. So Umar Radiallahu anhu says, I disagreed with Abu Bakr until such a time that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed me that Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu was right. If a person refuses to give zakat, the zakat should be taken by force. If he fights when the zakat is taken by force, then he must be fought. And again, it's the leader, not you. We don't want to hear people fighting somewhere saying he refused to give me zakat. You're not the one to fight him. Are we together? Yeah, there's every possibility. You know, people misunderstand. So they bring zakat. 
the Sheikh said, anyone who, who refuses to give zakat must be fought. Therefore, I'm going to fight you until you give me the zakat. It's not you. It's the leader. All right. And again, Shabab, the younger uh, uh, people especially, when I say to fight the mushrikun, it's not you. All right? It's not you. It's the leader. It's the government, not you. Don't go out there and, and fight people because they're mushrikun. Said Rasulullah was told in the hadith, Umirtu an uqatil an nas have been told to fight people. Hatta yashhadu Allah ilaha illallah until they say la ilaha illallah. Therefore, everyone you meet say la ilaha illallah. He says, I don't want, I will fight you. This is the responsibility of a government, a leader. These are political decisions. Are we together? The Imam makes the decision to wage war on a particular group of people because they've refused to make the shahada or a particular group of people because they refuse to give the zakat, not an individual. Then some scholars said, if this hadith was reported by Ibn Umar, the son of Umar ibn al-Khattab, then how did he let his father argue with Abu Bakr Siddiq while Ibn Umar knew this hadith? Umirtu an uqatil nas I've been commanded to fight people hatta yashhadu alla ilaha illallah until they declare that there is no one worthy of worship except Allah wa anna Muhammadar Rasulullah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah wa yuqimu salata wa yu'tu zakata and they establish salah and give zakat the hadith is clear isn't it meaning I've been commanded to fight people until they believe I've been commanded to fight people until they pray. I've been commanded to fight people until they give zakat. So the hadith is clear. So if Umar radiallahu anhu was arguing with Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu over such a simple fact, which is recorded in the hadith, why didn't his son tell him the hadith so that there is no nizar, there is no argument between Umar ibn al-Khattab and Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu? The response to that is, Ibn Umar narrated the hadith quite right. But Wama Adaraka, did we say he was present when the argument took place between Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu and Umar bin al-Khattab? Maybe he didn't witness the argument. That is number one. Number two, maybe he spoke to his father later and that's what convinced the father. And you know the way it looks? It looks like both Umar and Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhuma did not know this hadith. Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu did not know this hadith. And Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu did not know this hadith. Because if Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu knew this hadith, he would have used this hadith as evidence. But instead of using the hadith, he used qiyas. He said... I'm going to fight anyone who separates between salah and zakat because these have been mentioned together in the Quran. There is express dalil here. If Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu knew this hadith, he should have mentioned it. And if Umar bin al-Khattab radiallahu anhu knew this hadith, he was not going to argue with Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. What do you learn from that? Sometimes the greatest scholars may miss a hadith. And that's very possible.
Ibn Umar is his son. He was only a child in the time of the Messenger wasallam. He was young, but he knew the hadith. The father, two khalifas. The first khalifa and the second khalifa didn't know the hadith. Like we said concerning the hadith of An-Nu'man bin Bashir, a hadith gets reported by a six-year-old. The bigger sahaba didn't know the, the hadith. And ilm is like that. That is why some people have made mistakes, especially the ones who associate themselves strongly with a particular madhab. They say, when you show them a hadith, I'm Shafi'iyya, or I'm Hanafiya, or I'm Hanbaliya, or I'm Malikiya. Therefore, for me, that's not my madhab. If our Sheikh, rather, if this hadith was a true hadith, my Sheikh, Imam Malik, or my Sheikh, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, or my Sheikh, any Sheikh, would have seen the hadith. If the hadith, for example, uh, the hadith of going into sajda. When going in sajda, Rasulullah said, one should not, should not kneel the way a camel kneels, meaning do not start with your hands, you start with your knees. But Imam Shafi'i, rahimahullah, uh, despite that, says when you go into sajda, you have to start with your hands uh, as opposed to the, to the knees. One would say, well, he probably didn't see the hadith. And his supporter will say, no, if the hadith were true, Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah should know the hadith. Akhil Karim, Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah did not know all the hadiths. Malik did not know all the hadiths. Ahmad bin Hanbal did not know all the hadiths. No one knew all the hadiths. These are big sahabas we're talking about. Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. Your imam, whoever he is, whether Malik or Shafi or whatever, cannot be more knowledgeable than Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu anhu. Definitely Abu Bakr is more knowledgeable. Your imam cannot be as knowledgeable as Umar ibn al-Khattab radiallahu anhu. Umar ibn al-Khattab is more knowledgeable, but look at him. He didn't know the hadith. And Abu Bakr Siddiq didn't know the hadith. And what about your imam? It's possible he didn't know the hadith. Imam Malik rahimahullah said, everyone's words can be taken and some of them rejected. Imam Malik rahimahullah said, the word of every person, every imam, every scholar can be taken and some of them rejected except the man who lies in this grave, meaning the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam. For everyone, we take some of their words and we reject some of them. The only person whose words you take 100% is the man lying in this grave, Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah said, if a hadith is correct, that is my madhab. Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah said, if a hadith is correct, then that is my madhab. Meaning, if you find a correct hadith, disregard everything I told you. Then the correct hadith is my madhab. Imam Malik, rahimahullah ta'ala, said, 
Everything we have told you, everything we are teaching you, do not take it if it contradicts the words of the Messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Imam Malik, rahimahullah, also said, Man tabayyana lahu sunnatun an rasulillahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam la yajuzu lahu tarkuhu liqawli ahadin kainam man kana whoever hears a hadith of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the hadith is clear to him it is not permissible for him to ignore the hadith going for what was said by any person whoever the person may be. In other words, when a hadith is clear, forget about Malik. When a hadith is clear, forget about Shafi'i. When a hadith is clear, forget about uh, Abu Hanifa. When a hadith is clear, forget about Ahmad bin Hanbal. Even for them, when a hadith is clear for them, that is their madhab. So, stop adhering to madhab as if it were islam itself the madhahib the imams jazahumullah khairan may allah reward them they tried their level best to understand the sunnah of rasulullah but they're not divinely protected from error no one is divinely protected from error except the messenger everyone makes a mistake then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, إِلَّا بِحَقِّ الْإِسْلَامِ Except by the right of Islam, وَحِسَابُهُمْ عَلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى And their account is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. By this phrase, the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam means the hypocrites. If a person comes out and says, لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ أَشْهَدُ أَنْ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهِ وَأَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ and he begins to pray and he begins to give zakat and in reality he does not believe he is only being a hypocrite فَحِسَابُهُ عَلَى اللَّهِ تَعَالَى his issue is between him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for us we take what we see if a person says I'm a Muslim we accept that he's a Muslim we have no reason to doubt his Islam if a person says he's a Muslim and he comes to the masjid and he gives zakat, what's in his heart is between him and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah is going to bring it out. The day when all secrets will be brought out. There are lots of munafiqeen, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from nifaq amongst ourselves. People who believe, people who don't believe, people who believe a little, people who are Muslims for different reasons. Some of them are Muslims because of what they can get out of Islam. Some ladies are Muslims because their husbands are Muslims and they don't care about Islam. That nifaq, that hypocrisy, that's between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's not up to us to judge. I think you remember very well the hadith which I mentioned in the khutbah last Friday of Hudayfa uh, ibn al-Yaman, sahib sirr al-Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The uh, man who 
had the secret of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam he said i know the names of all the munafiqin the hypocrites in medina subhanallah in medina in the time of rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam munafiqun hypocrites yes they were there but rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam did not fight them he knew them sallallahu alayhi wasallam but he didn't fight them umirtu an uqatila nas i've been commanded to fight people until they they believe but with the munafiqun he didn't fight them someone said ya rasulullah why don't you fight these hypocrites he said i cannot fight them people will say muhammad is killing his own people he knows them sallallahu alaihi wasallam to be munafiqun to be hypocrites but we don't fight hypocrites lest people say muslims are killing one another we don't want people to say that so don't accuse anyone of nifaq or don't fight anyone you think is a munafiq munafiqun we don't fight them we fight anyone who stands up and says i am not going to to, to, to obey allah that one must be fought but anyone who pretends to believe in allah and pretends to believe in the messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam hisabuhu ala allah ta'ala his issue is with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala aqulu ma tasma'un wa astaghfirullah al-'azim li wa lakum wa li sa'ir al-muslimin fastaghfiruhu wa huwa ahlu at-taqwa wa ahlu al-maghfirah